0: Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the word that was going to come forth. Thank you, Jesus, because it is never about us. It's never about our machinations. It's always about what you want to do. And so, Father, we yield ourselves unto you this evening in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for what you've been leading us in, in terms of what the theme for this month is, in terms of where you want us to go and where you want our hearts to be. We bless your holy name, Father Lord, because exactly how your word describes your word, you see, you see, you know, it's the entrance of your word that gives light. We all receive light this evening in the name of Jesus. We also ask and we declare that it is not just a time for us to come here and feel a special type of way, get a special type of insight, and then forget it as we walk out the door in the name of Jesus. Let it have lasting impact. Let it have the impact that transforms our lives and gets us even much closer to you in knowledge, in character, in behavior, and in always remembering that you are our God and our Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, so good evening, everyone. Um, I would love it if we can sit much closer because, you know, it makes me feel cozy. There's no spiritual attachment. It's just me and my feelings, right? Amen. All right, so we're going to um, continue. We all know that in the month of October, we've been diving into the concept of Jesus, the light of the world. Hallelujah. And I love how we've had a lot of different people come and speak about the meaning of light, the meaning of Jesus, the meaning of darkness, what it means to overcome darkness, etc., etc. This evening, um, we're just going to have a quick conversation, and I pray it's quick enough, but it's going to be scripture based as always. Amen? Yeah, because there are a lot of other things. Some people were throwing shade at me some time ago and said that I like, now, what is supposed to make other people think is what makes me laugh. I've forgiven them. May they receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. They're saying amen, okay, good, hallelujah. So we're going to read from the book of John 1, all right? Um, What I'm going to do is, I love, normally what I like to do when I'm sharing is, I like for us to go to the, in quote, anchor scripture, then we read it, and then we now have a conversation. But this time around, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to do it in such a way that we can all track together, hallelujah. I have also repented from deviating from the official um, EPC Grace House uh, translation, I love amplified and the reason i'm so that they'll not say peter has come again with grammar right but we'll read from the nkjv this evening hallelujah we might dive into the amplified every now and then but let's just go there so it's john one uh i'm calling what we're doing this evening the light overcoming darkness hallelujah so it's basically this evening we're focusing on darkness well still the light we're focusing on darkness hallelujah so can we turn to john one um we'll start from verse one of course hallelujah Okay, it's up on the screen. So, let's read together. One, two, go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. And verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Right? And I love how in case we were wondering what the reference was, if you look up there, that scripture, verse 1 puts word in capital W, so we know it's, the, you know, the, a person, hallelujah, is a proper noun, as they say. A proper noun is essentially the name of a person uh, or a place, right? Why a thing? The reason why we don't say a thing is a proper noun is because a chair is non-living, right? It's not exactly... How do I put it? It's not exactly... It's a concept, but it's not a concept that has a living, as it were, reputation. Hallelujah. All right? Cities have living reputations. If I mention Lagos to you, there's a concept that comes to your mind. If I mention Istanbul to you, there's a concept that comes to your mind, right? And The same way if I mention... <laughs> I wanted to say McCordie, but... Let me... <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. The same thing, too, like Minister Grace has just said. If I mention a name to you, Daniel... Um, Michael, um, Jennifer, boniface They are are (laughs) are concepts that that come to you. Hallelujah. And in the same manner too, if I mention the name of a day, so Minister Grace, sorry Minister Grace, seems to have a special relationship with August. There's something that comes to mind. June, May. Do you see where I'm going with all of this? Hallelujah. Back to our scripture. It says in the beginning was the word. And we see that the two references there Word happens three times. And he says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, to avoid all confusion, there's no way the word can be a non living thing if we say the word was God. Hallelujah. God is alive, right? God is a person. So there's no way we would have said, you know, um, word here, references something that is non living. But for the avoidance of doubt, we now jump to verse 2, I believe, right? He was, he who. You notice he says, He was in the beginning with God. So he tells you, for the avoidance of doubt, this person is a he. This person exists when I say he's a he. Hallelujah. Now, the cool thing about John 1 is John 1 actually mirrors Genesis 1. If we switch to Genesis 1, can we jump to Genesis 1? What is the first thing we see when we look at Genesis 1? It says what? In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you remember in verse 3, of, we don't have to flip there immediately. But if you remember in verse 3, it says, everything that was made, by, was made by who? By who? The word. The word, right? So, uh, okay, no, I don't. Okay, yeah. So, verse 3. <laughs> verse 3. Just track with me. I'm going to move. Good. So, he says, yeah, sorry. All things were made through him. And without him. Nothing was made that was made. Hallelujah. New King James has a way of being dramatic. He says, without him, nothing was made that was made. In essence, whatever was created, was created by him. So, by him, all things were created. All things were created by him, by the word. Hallelujah. If you check logic, it's a rational way of thinking. It is an organized way of thinking. What is the logic for creating a chair with three legs and not four legs? Balance. Right? Right? There are chairs that, in fact, beautiful. If we all look beside Pastor Yinka right now, you would notice that he's sitting on a chair with four legs. Hallelujah. But the table beside him has three legs. The main difference here is distribution of weight. Hallelujah. If what he was sitting on was in the exact same design, but we took one leg away, I doubt he'll be able to stay balanced on the chair. Most likely you'll fall. There's a logic behind that. Hallelujah. And the logos of God is essentially the logic of God. How does God think? Hallelujah. And the great thing about this logic, right, is simple. It is that God's logic, we don't need to go far. The easiest way to describe God is he's a God of wisdom. All right? So we can say that in the beginning, God's wisdom, can we go to verse 1? Sorry. Yeah? In the beginning was God's what? Wisdom. And God's wisdom was with God. And that God's wisdom was who? God himself. Now, you see, I've moved away from describing what seems like a person to describing, and as it were, intangible, the wisdom of God. But you know what is great about it? If we go down, and we'll see this much later, that wisdom of God was embodied by a human being, was embodied by a person. Hallelujah. Track with me. We're going somewhere with this. Hallelujah. Now, the wisdom of God is Jesus. I've spoken about this so many times, right? That Jesus Christ is every single thing that God has to say. Do we all agree? So if God had something to tell us, we've seen it. We see that during the transfiguration, the Bible says, two prophets, I mean two individuals from history, one representing the prophets, one representing the law, showed up, had a conversation with Jesus. Peter wanted to build the tabernacle and say, Let's dwell here, blah blah blah. blah. After he had done that disappearance, only one of them remained. And a voice spoke from the heavens: This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. What should you people do? Listen to him. Hallelujah. All right? In other instances, you see that the word became flesh, dwelt amongst us. We'll see all of that. All right? Now, why am I saying all of this? It is that it's important for us to start and finish with God had a reasoning. He had an idea. He had a particular way of looking at things and doing things. And that is what has guided every single action of his that we are aware of. From the beginning of history till this time. In fact, even before the beginning of history. Because one of my favorite scriptures to quote is that before the foundations of the earth, what happened? The lamb was slain. The person who slain or who allowed for the slain of that lamb, right? Had logic behind it. He had a reasoning behind it. Amen. Are you following me so far? Cool, cool, cool. All right. Let's move to verse four. The Bible says in him was life. And that life was the light of men. Pause. One of the things that I forgot to even mention before jumping here was Genesis 1 is not, is not, Genesis 1 actually starts off and says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? There's an action there. And we know that more, more often than not, there are some people who, uh, what they call a reflex action, is often we do some things without thinking. Right? But at the end of the day, there's always, even what we say. So, for example, if I throw a dart at somebody's eyes, Is expected for one or two things to happen. The person will duck or the person will blink, right? The person doesn't think about doing these things. But if I ask you to explain the logic behind that, will you be able to explain the logic behind that? Yes. Self-preservation is natural. No human will. Most human beings want to preserve themselves. True or false? There's logic in there. And it's the same way too. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But he didn't just go about creating the heavens and the earth without some form of logic. Which is why if you read through Genesis 1, after the description of the earth being dark, and I love how Pastor Yinka led us in prayer talking about darkness being confusion. Essentially, darkness was chaos in Genesis 1. I loved it. I was a little worried that, Say this man wants to he's, he's, come back, come back. Hallelujah. And after all of that chaos was described, it was formless, it was void, and the spirit hovered over the deep. It is now said that in scripture, God did something. God now said what? He, he said, let there be. And then what happened? There was. There was a logic behind all of it. And let's look now. He says in verse 3, sorry, we don't have to go to verse 3, but in verse 3 it says, let that coming to be, that let there be, was guided by who? The logos of God, a.k.a. Jesus Christ, right? He says that, Every single time something came to be, it was because of Jesus. There was nothing that was created that wasn't created as a result of Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, Proverbs 3.19. Let me show you guys something. Where scripture has corroborated this line of logic (laughs) throughout the scripture. Proverbs 3 and verse 19. Right? The Bible says, the Lord by his wisdom did what? Founded the earth by understanding he established the heavens. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created where and where. But is that he did it using both wisdom and understanding? Aka logic. Hallelujah. So it's not, I'm not grasping at straws. This is what scripture says in terms of description. Right? And you know what the first thing that God said, let there be was? He said, Let there be. Boom. Let's go back to John 1, verse 4. It all connects. That's the beautiful thing. It all connects, right? John 1 and verse 4 now says, in him was what? Life. So if we pause, it means that God's logic is alive. This is us corroborating what we said. Remember we said in the beginning, God's logic existed, right? God's logic was with who? With God. And God's logic was God or Jesus, right? It now says here, in that logic was who? Life. And that logic was what brought what? To how many people? Notice that there's no demarcation about Gentile, Jew, Christian, or saved. He said, if men find light, it is in who? In Jesus Christ. Is there on the screen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right? So, we can now surmise that his word is alive, right? And one of the things that has caused problems... Is when we say God's word, more often than not, what are we referring to? The Bible. You'll find people saying the Bible. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about the text today. Let's look at verse 5. In fact, let's look at verse 5. Verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. First and foremost, when I say that I'm not talking about the text, it's not because I'm relegating the Bible to be unimportant. Amen. The Bible is also referred to as logos, right? Because... There's a place where we see, the, um, what's that thing? The letter killeth gives life. If you look there, the two words are logos and what? Rema. And then I've heard people say, oh, logos is the surface. And then Rema is the deeper. You should reach for, reach for Rema. And guy. God's logic is God's logic. There's a reason why these things are compounded, are summarized and put in a text for us. We will see that. Hallelujah. So I'm not talking about the text, like I said, right? Um, You will see, and I I made a note here to emphasize this. The Bible doesn't say in the beginning was the Bible, and the Bible was with God, and the Bible was God. No. Number one reason why we can even do that, if I ask you why, the simple reason could be, you know that the Bible talks about slaves, right? Amen? Do you think that that was God's intention? Selah. I'm not going to give a definite answer. Hallelujah, right? Now we see in verse 5, The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. One of my favorite things is scripture is incredibly deliberate with imagery and with wording. The meaning of comprehend is what? What is it that we're talking about? Logic. The logic of darkness was hard to grasp. Or rather, darkness could not comprehend or understand the logic of the light. Mostly because, like we said, darkness exists for two things. Well, not two things, a lot of things. Chaos, confusion, death. But the Bible says, the light shines in the darkness. Remember verse 4 has just emphasized that in him was what? Life. So that life was also the light of men. The light in itself is life. So God's logic, hmm? the end game for God's logic is what? Life. Again, I want us to recognize something. It's not for us alone. And when I say us alone, it's not just those people within. And I love, again, Pastor Inka was trying to look for trouble. He started talking about the definition of who Jew or Gentile was, right? Gentile was even an offensive term. Because um, what is cool about it is historians have described certain um, civilizations as pagan. Meanwhile, and that's how the Jews looked at the pagan gods around us. So the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Romans, blah, 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 the Greeks, each and every one of them, right? They were pagans. We were the ones who were selected by God. Guess what Rome, the Romans thought about the, <laughs> they thought they were archaic as well, all right? So there was always going to be that line of, on that side, you people, and they call it in sociology, it's um, the othering of other people. You will find that sometimes you, you you ascribe more value to somebody who watches football, for example, as a member of, they call them in-groups, Right? if I'm with Pastor Yinka and his friends and they're talking about cars and I keep on trying to interrupt but I have no idea about cars inevitably there's something in them that's like this guy is not the guy to hang out with it's, it's, it's a human, it's a natural human reaction hallelujah but God is not like that the Bible says that in him was light life rather and that life was the light of he didn't say Jew he didn't say Gentile he didn't say Yoruba he didn't say Pakistani he said of what? men all of humanity hallelujah Hallelujah. Am I going too fast? Okay, fantastic. Hallelujah. All right. So let's check Hebrews 4 and 12 for some confirmation. All right? In case you were wondering what I was talking about for, you know, we're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about a living person. Now, proof that God's logic is alive. God's word. Right? So this evening, you hear me say logic. You hear me say word. You hear me say Jesus. Recognize that each of these things are interchangeable. Amen? Amen? And light, okay, yeah, light is the fourth one. Let's read together. One, two, go. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is what? Of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When we say thoughts and intents, where do your thoughts and intents lie? Your logic. I made a chair because the intention was for people to sit down. I thought about, instead of me standing all the time, Let me create something like when my feet are tired, my legs are tired, I can sit on it. Intention, right? But there's a thought that drives that intention. And the exact thing that the Bible says is that the living logic of God is alive. It is virile. The text, the Bible, right? Is not alive. And that's not a gain. I want you, please, when I say the text is not alive, what I mean is, is a bunch of words written together. It is those same bunch of words that have, like I said, driven the crusades, Driven people to say, Come and give your tithe, or else you will not have the deliverance of God. Driven people to own slaves, driven people to push women to to the to the back. Hallelujah. But if you check, what Jesus did was in count like countered every one of those things. The logic of the text in that essence, and the logic of God as Jesus Christ were at odds. Hallelujah. So remember that the logic of God is what? Alive and powerful. And what does it do? It discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart to overshadow them. Amen? Okay. All right. So, essentially, if you have heard me talking about, it's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. What I'm saying at the end of the day is that the Bible is not the end game. The Bible is, as they call it, is a means to an end. One of my favorite things from economics. The reason why you eat food is not necessarily because it's sweet alone. If you don't eat food, you'll be hungry. If you're hungry for a long time, it enters starvation. Starvation has a direct outcome, which is what? Death. Yeah? The reason you eat food is to stay alive. Okay? But food is, how do I explain it? So, the aim is to get life. Yeah? But food is not the end game. Right? Food is the tunnel (laughs) to life, so to speak. Okay? Even though some people have over... Don't, like, they, their, their own life, I don't know, right? Hallelujah. Now, if we all agree with that, right, what we mean then is that the Bible bears witness to the word of God. And I'm grateful to put those two in a sentence together, the Bible and the word of God. The Bible is often called the word of God, not erroneously, right? It's great, right? But the Bible is what shows us what the word of God, the logic of God, the light of God, a.k.a what a person's name, Jesus, is. It bears witness of him. And if we continue reading, we will see a man whose name was John, John the Baptist. As a reference, for long periods of time, you will find that John was doing a lot of things that were pretty much similar to what you'd expect the Messiah to do. So much so, people started assuming, oh, this is the Messiah. Footnote. What we tend to gloss over when we describe the Messiah for the Israeli or should I say the Hebrew mindset or perspective was this. There was a period when in between both, um, in fact, in between both testaments, there was what they called the period of silence. They called the intertestimonial times, right? There was a guy who came up. His name was Judah Maccabee. He was called Judah the hammer, essentially. The idea of a Messiah had nothing to do with all this life and God. It was simple. We don't want a situation where the Israeli kingdom continues to be the way it was. Temple has fallen into ruin. Um, we're not the great world power we used to be. So a Messiah coming means that the Messiah will come and take us back to where we were. And who is the greatest king Israel has ever had? Hmm? David. So those were the two. It was either David or because they, they call him, for your information, they didn't call him Judas the hammer because he was a friendly carpenter. He was a a very, very strategic, ruthless military leader. And you will find that from Peter to John to even Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, their own idea of a Messiah was a simple one. The person who will come and be a political leader to take us to a certain place. Amen? Now, John comes along and he's doing a bunch of things that are forceful. I mean, this guy was not... John wasn't necessarily kitted up in the best of best. See how Pastor Inka is looking this evening. Nope. Wasn't taking his bath. He was pretty much as the, <laughs> the prophets of old. Eh? Huh? No, no, that was a compliment. <laughs> God help us. Hallelujah. And he did a lot of these things and people kept on saying, are you the Messiah? And you know what he kept on saying himself? No, I'm the forerunner to the Messiah. I'm here to bear witness to the Messiah. So what I'm saying is throughout history, even till today, it's been very easy to miss the end game, to look at the medium to take us to the end game, which is what often happens when we look at scripture. And when I say scripture, I mean the text now, the Bible itself. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.13. I think Hebrews 4.13 will show us something. After expressing that the word of God is alive, and then he says, there is no creature, That is what? hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must all what? Giving account is the only reason why, for example, Pastor Inka, permit me. Imagine if Mrs. Miles came somewhere, somewhere and saw Pastor Inka explain to somebody, another lady, why he ate rice and beans for breakfast. And cornflakes. The next for lunch. and Maybe it happens one time. Okay, right? Like it's just just about nutrition. But she shows up the next day and he's doing the same thing. And he shows up and she shows up the third day, and by the fourth day, in fact, I, I don't think I will get to the fourth day, to be honest. But second day I'll have questions, right? Because what is going on? Why are you giving account to this person? Right? Giving account speaks of submission. Hmm? True or false? Yeah. It's the same thing too. Essentially, if God's word is alive and his logic is true, right? We must all be able to do what? Give account to it. Giving account to it is essentially submitting to it. You know why? It's superior logic. The logic of the human being in the midst of cold, right? Is to do what? Sleep or get warm. But you know that there are a bunch of us who God has sent into some of the weirdest, coldest places to preach the gospel. Do you think it's because they like the cold? There's a superior logic for them. I have been saved. So let me cuckoo save other people. So I will brave the, 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 as the, the elements as they say. Okay? Alright? Are you following me? Okay. Now, let's, come, let's go back to our anchor scripture. We've done enough dancing around. <laughs> Hallelujah. So one, we're going to John 1 verse 5. We've established God's word is alive. But in verse 5... Look at what is really, 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 really important for us. He says, and the light does what? In the darkness. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. You know what is cool about this is that all of this is still talking about something called the pre-incarnate word of God. At this point, there's still a lot of, if you notice, a lot of this language is poetic. There's nothing concrete just yet. Right? And there's a reason. He's explaining that, look, God had a plan even before, you know, while creation was going on. And all of that god had a plan and the plan was still linked to his word to his logic right the reason for that is he's setting us to show us that look god's logic had a straight line that was not haphazard. most people have said that oh you know um is there really free will then if god had set everything here's the cool thing you always have the opportunity to lie against god since we were born we've always had the opportunity to lie against god right We've always had the opportunity to say no to God, haven't we? Because we have our own logic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So, verse 5, like I was saying, says that the light shines in darkness. Darkness cannot understand it. And we see that whether we like it or not, God's light has always been clear in the world. God's logic has always been clear in the world. I think it's Hebrews. Sorry, guys. uh, I can't remember. But there's a place where Hebrews talks about how. God revealed himself via nature. Yeah? God has also revealed himself via the prophets. But the thing is, each and every, even, just, not just the, the prophets, even through the, the, the fathers, as it were, the great thing about that is God was always showing himself. It's just that maybe it wasn't a clear picture. Hallelujah. And sometimes that happens. You might grasp it. For example, we're in 2021. As of 2009, Bitcoin was becoming something, Right? How many of us understand, I mean, the knowledge of Bitcoin as a 2009 knowledge of Bitcoin today? Difference? Is there a difference? But do people still really understand Bitcoin? No. We know it. We can explain what Bitcoin is. We can explain what it is, where it's going, but how many of us can explain 100% of what it is? Even, we, are we familiar with the concept of NFTs, for example? I've had to see, people explain, I've read. NFTs, over, I know that, okay, NFTs is that somebody painted a chair, took a picture of that chair, converted it to digital, and say, is this, this digital picture is 1 million. And I say, everybody, and you see the thing about currencies, if everybody agrees, it's worth 1 million. Okay, that, I don't know why it's worth 1 million, mind you, right? But it's okay, everybody agrees. Now, why I'm saying this is, we will see that the light of God has always shone, has always shone. We may not have been able to see it clearly, Right? Which is why before Jesus, a lot of people have been saved. That's the truth. A lot of people have come to know the Father before Jesus showed up. Yeah? But as soon as Jesus showed up, there was a difference. There was clarity. And we're going to see that very, very soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 1, 6 now. Let's go to verse 6. Earlier on, I spoke about our very good friend, John the Baptist. You know, his, <laughs> life is funny how John's name you know his name is John Eben or John Ben or John Dan and John Mark Zachariah. He had a name. Mind you, that's his name. But they started calling him John the, simply because he was baptizing. And I've always, you know, I've always said one of the mistakes we, 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 we tend to see, is, one of mistakes, but it's human tendency to describe a person by what they do. Even it's affecting the way we relate with God. We call God names based on what we have seen him what do so is the person that says Jehovah Jireh was in a very tight corner and God came through and provided for him the person that called him Jehovah Rufi needed healing got it right okay verse 6 let's read verse 6 together he says there was a man sent from God whose name was John now this guy was simple foreigner preparing the way And he's a great parallel for the Bible, like I said earlier on. Why I say this is because, you know, he was doing all these things, and people asked him, are you the Messiah? And he said, no, I'm not the Messiah. However, somebody who is coming after me is going to be greater than I am. Now, my cousin is here, right? And it's a known fact that we refer to our cousins in my family at the very least, right? Yeah, we call them auntie or uncle. They are not biologically our aunties or uncles. But out of respect, we refer to them as auntie or uncle. John was a full six or seven months older than Jesus. But see what he was saying. He was referring to him as what? Greater. Right? He kept on saying someone who is greater than I am. He even said, whose shoelaces I am not fit to tie? Like Minister Godwin at the back over there. I'm not fit to tie his, his shoelaces. His tall. Hmm. No. I need his permission to do such. Amen. And John bore witness of Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why I did like that. As if it was a scripture reading. Let's, if we jump to verse 15. Can we jump to verse 15? We'll see that. Verse 15. We'll still come back to verse 6. But look at verse 15. He says, John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I. Now, Jesus had shown up, of course. And he was saying, this is the person that I said. He who comes after me is what? Preferred before me, for he was before me. Pause. In terms of selection, if I give you two options to pick a car, right? I know that if I were to ask Pastor Yinka, please pick between, let's say, a Toyota Venza and what else? What does he like? A Ford truck. Which would you go for? Most likely, the Ford truck. Your thinking is that you like big, powerful cars, you're also into, you know, as it were, architecture. It's a all-purpose duty car, so you go for it, right? If I were to ask Austin, which do you prefer, a Ford truck or a Venza? Which would you take? You take the Venza. Reason being, at any time he feels it's easier to manipulate, it's finer to an extent, right? Austin, sorry calm down because I said it's finer and I saw him twitch like I said relax relax again <laughs> you know I like the options like that it's important that we I'm, I'm so happy that I even got that reaction from him again notice that the bible says one is preferred before me what is the reason before that preference logic God's wisdom God's wisdom decided that the bible should come and speak to us about somebody all right the same thing too John should show up before. And we saw in the example we used, the analogy we used here. Pastor has a preference because there's a logic behind it. Same thing with Austin. Austin has a preference because there's a logic behind taking out of those choices. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, the logic of God, hmm, my people, what is great about it is that it does not respect time. So that we don't get to a place where we're saying, it's not time for me to show forth God's work in my life. Notice that we're talking about overcoming darkness. Hallelujah. And the logic of God is light. The light has always shone. It is what? Eternal, my people. Eternal, the light of God. And his logic has always been eternal. Let's jump back to verse 6, yeah? Don't get bogged down in a place where you're thinking it's not yet time. I love how the Bible says, when is the hour of salvation? Eh? He was writing to those people. So now was that time then. If he's reading it to you today, now is what? Today is the time, right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, always look at verse 6. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. But he was supposed to do what? Bear witness. Bear witness. So, that is exactly what the light does. The light exists, but our job is to bear witness to this light. All right? Remember, we have said the four key words for us this evening. Include number one, light. Number two, logic. Number three, the wisdom of God. And number four, what? Jesus, the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's our role. If darkness exists, if chaos exists, our own job is to step into the darkness. Remember that John showed up at a time when there was chaos in Israel. These people had been subdued by the Romans. They were waiting. You see, the thing about what they were waiting for is they they were waiting for a Messiah erroneously. Hallelujah. But John showed up to say, relax. This Messiah is on his way. In fact, the Messiah has come, and the Messiah's name is Jesus. You know what is amazing about that? Even after doing that, Jesus rolled dogs, his best guys, his homies, were still thinking, ah, oh, this the guy that's going to deliver. Jesus never did any military thing. Think about it. There's nothing about Jesus that showed military training, nothing about him that showed hiring for an army. In fact, his recruitment process, his preference, like we talked about, was the oddest because they were tax collectors, farmers, fishermen, what else? Just a bunch of literally odds and ends, illiterate folk. Hallelujah! But even in the midst of that, Peter told himself that guy, this guy. In fact, let's, let's before I drag Peter, let's talk about John. And you know, when we read the book of John and we see love, 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 we assume John was one gentle guy. But you know what Jesus used to call John and his brother, hmm? John, uh, he called them bornages, Bo- Bo- right? Bornages, you know what he meant? Sons of thunder. It's not because they used to package lightning and put in bottles and sell. They were clearly crazy people. And the Bible actually gives us an example. I think there's a time where they came and met Jesus and said, Jesus, we want you to do something. We'll tell you something and we want you to agree. And like a very smart, Jesus was very smart, like a smart parent. The Bible says Jesus didn't say, okay, I will do it. He says, what do you want? And they say, look, when you come into your glory, right, can we be the ones who sit by your side? And it's clear, I'm, this is the liberty of my creative liberty now, yeah? Allow me, I'm a writer, so if you are angry, it's okay, right? Jesus still, still loves me. I can imagine them thinking about three thrones. Jesus' throne is in the middle, high throne. Then John will be over here, smaller throne. Where did they get that idea from? In fact, the question should even be to what end were they going to be on those thrones? What were they going to do with it? Hallelujah. Let's go back to to this again, right? We must always bear witness of the light of God. Verse 8 now. Let's look at verse 8. Okay, verse 8 and 9. That man was sent, and the Bible clearly says John was not the, but he was sent to bear witness of the. Notice in New King James that the light is in what? capital letters. start with capital letters letters rather. Now the concept of scientific rigor, sorry, let me just get a bit nerdy, is that for something to, so if if I say my left hand is a goat, it's up to you to believe. But before you get to that believing, the image of a goat in your mind is one of two things, or well, let's say three things. A goat has two horns, a goat has four legs, a goat can bleed. Do we all agree that these are descriptions of a goat? Yeah. Again, my left hand is a goat. Which of these things exist in my hand? So, scientific rigour is that okay? A claim has been made. Three facts that we know to be true, we've all verified. Let's throw them at this Peter's left hand. After throwing, number one, does my hand <laughs> bleed? Does he have horns that you can't see? Maybe spiritual horns? It doesn't, right? Uh, what was the last one I said? Four, that's not even a, a, a real horn. It's just there. Uh, does he have four legs? No. In fact, he has five fingers. So that knocks that off. Now imagine that this person is saying these three facts, because they were brought forward by an individual from a certain racial class, let's knock them away so that we can quote somebody else. And that's what even leads to the problems we have today. Somebody will tell you the way to chase away disease is to bath in salt. Anyway, let's not get bogged down in the details. What I was trying to say is, every man who exists has come I mean, that has come into the world only way they can find light is from who Jesus Christ all right from Jesus Christ now let's switch to 14 and this is the kicker the kicker for me right the way to defeat darkness comes very very clearly here let's read together one to go and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth let me pause Jesus became flesh. I've spoken before about the homoousia, the concept of homosia in theology says that Jesus Christ was 100% God. He was also 100% man, which is why, you see, the reason why when the mobs were trying to kill him, he had to squallate, he had to run, back was if they had slapped him, he would have felt the pain. Have you ever been slapped by anybody before? I don't have a very low threshold for pain, so if you slap me, I feel start to cry for you. I'll like I'm not even going to lie. Hallelujah. So he had the same urges that we, like, like you and I, he had those things. But at the same time, he was God, right? And that's what he says. He says, the word wore the coat of flesh. And then, didn't he say, I'm going to, you know, and that's another thing that we need to. I'm just showing you, the reason I'm doing this, I'm showing us examples of how light should behave in the midst of darkness. Somebody will tell you, oh, I am imbued with the word of God, so I need to separate myself. Because of sanctification, I have to separate myself from the world. Are you okay? The person that embodied the word of God, eh? what does the Bible say he did? Where did he dwell? He dwelt amongst us. Where should lights be? Inside darkness. There's no, it's not magic. It's not huge. It's not rocket science. If light must be light, it must shine where there is what? darkness simple right and he says after he dwelt amongst us what was the effect we looked and beheld his glory remember we talked about i think a couple of weeks ago we said that the glory of god is god's goodness the beauty of god the beauty of the gospel which is that god wants us to have union with him hallelujah right and he says we beheld the glory or his glory rather the glory as of the only begotten of the father and what is that glory full of Grace and truth. Let's read the next verse for context. That grace and truth, I want to explain it. John bore witness of him now and said, this was um, he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me. You know why? He was before me. I'm here to tell you that God's grace and his truth have always existed, even before any of us showed up. I'm here to tell you that the light of God has been shining. You see the thing about light and darkness I don't know if you've heard this before, Um, I've never been shot, but I've been told that more often than not, if somebody is shot, right, they more often tend to see a spark before actually hearing it, and scientifically said that the speed of light is way faster than the speed of a sound, which is why sometimes you hear something, in fact, you can see a plane, but where the sound is, is either sometimes like, it's a bit behind it, Right? And that's how it's almost like that for, 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 for the light of God. The light of God has been shining. Now, when we look outside and we see stars, it's actually said that what we're seeing a lot of times is actually the memory of a star or the remnant of a star because stars are burning gases. And of course, if you burn anything, what happens? It emits light, right? So a lot of these stars died. That's why they call it light years, light years ago. But what we are seeing hmm, is the remnant, so to speak. But for God, he's been shining this light since and he's still shining that light here and verse 14 describes and says that that light that glory is full of two things grace and what and we know that grace has been described as God's unmerited favor so we received God's grace as truth right how much more the world that is in need of this grace and truth is also available for them hallelujah Hallelujah. Okay, let me quickly do this. All right. Now, so if we can run through 14 to 16, God's logic became flesh. We all agree with that, right? Now, there have been hints, like we said. Remember what I said? Like there were hints in nature. There were hints in the prophets. There were hints in, you know, the fathers, Abraham, and all of that. There were a lot of hints. The Bible says that, and I spoke about this, Moses said, you know what? God, show me your face. I want to see you. And then the conversation said, you know what? I will allow my goodness to pass by you, right? So what tended to now happen was at some point when he came down from the mountain, because God had passed, the Bible says that they looked upon his face and what did they see? Now, later on, he carries some elders along with him. And they were also, you know, party to that exact same experience. But if we look, when the temple was now built, right? The Holy of Holies was in some place and there was only one person that was allowed and that person was the chief high priest right do you know that if as a high priest i go into the holy of holies and come out and say god said i like God's meat, for example he says every household must bring one plate of asun to me will you start arguing you know why you won't argue now nah, this guy they follow god talk i don't have conversations with god so clearly if he's speaking <laughs> he is the voice of god hallelujah But we now progress through time, and the Bible says that the day Jesus died, what happened to that temple curtain? It was rent asunder. Meaning, and it was a symbolic thing, meaning that, look, this light of God is not for a select few. This glory of God is not for a select few anymore. It's now for how many people? I keep saying this so that we recognize that our light is not our own to hold on to. Scripture says you don't light a candle and put it where? Under your bed, under a bushel. The aim of light is to shine. We talked about this the other day, right? The purpose of light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, God's glory in verse 14, like we spoke about, is his beauty and God's goodness. There's no better expression of God's grace and truth than the cross. The cross existed for one thing. Salvation of all men. John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he did what? So that anybody, but before we even get there, he said the reason he gave it is for everybody. If you decide to reject it, no problem. The offer is still open. So, it's possible for you to shine your light today in Nigeria to someone and the person rejects you. It's fine. The offer is still open with God. You see, the thing about application, for example, for scholarships is they normally tell you the application for this job or this scholarship will end at a certain date, right? If they say August 1st, 2021 and then Peter with his big head is now running on August 3rd, well... Okay, miracles happen. If I'm the dean, well, there's no, I will not repeat that. Hallelujah. There's a reason for that. But we got the offer perpetually open. Amen. Amen. And that's what we even, that's the salvation of God. It's such that James says, the goodness of God is leading men. Ideally, hmm, my goodness is, come and take it. If you don't take it. That's your business. But the Bible says that His goodness is such that this is where the goodies are. But the goodies live here to come and grab you. Sorry, Pastor. Let me hold your hand to bring you to Him. Hallelujah. Grace and truth. It's not merited. Nevertheless, that's God's glory for us. Hallelujah. I think that's what they call salvation. Now, in that verse 16, we see that He brings God's glory to us. Right. All of us have received his Bible says of his what fullness we have all received and grace for grace. There are some scriptures, some translations that say grace upon, superabundant, that the nature of God's grace is in ripples. One time, second time, till infinity, on and on and on. Can we look at that verse 16 in the Amplified please? Of his fullness we have all received, yeah? Good. The Bible says, for out of whose fullness? God's fullness. And then description, in, according to Amplified, it said, of his fullness, in bracket abundance, we have all received. Now, look at what is cute about this for me. He says, all had a share, and we were all supplied with. So the same grace that Pastor Inca has received, has Mike received it? Has God received it? Has President Buhari received it? He has no what I okay nice nice spot. Is it available for him? Fine. Let me ask. Is available. <laughs> I notice that everyone was like oh, that guy. Hallelujah. He says all had a share and were all supplied with. I should have actually. Yeah, you're right. All of us were what supplied with a measure of God's abundance. So he says one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon what spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift, heaped upon gift, as the French would say beaucoup il est beaucoup <laughs> it's plenty and you see the thing about Amplified is it's just emphasis because the grace of God one after another spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor which are literally, what's the difference between these things he says favor upon favor. And then he says gift heaped up uno- upon another one. Hallelujah. So the grace of God is in his light, but his light is abundant. He's been shining this light long before the foundations of the earth. Time existed, time came to pass. We are still within time. And guess what? We're being bombarded with the light of God and his grace. We have received his supply. All of us have a share in it. Hallelujah. For that confirmation exists in 1 Timothy 1 verse 14, right? We're going into the closing stretch now. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 14. he says, and the grace, we'll have to switch back to NKGV eventually, but let's read it from the Amplified. Oh, uh, let's go back there. Sorry, Godwin. Right? I want us to read 1 Timothy 1 verse 14. Now let's read together. 1, 2, go. And the grace, or what? The unmerited favor and blessing of who? Actually flowed out superabundantly. Hold on. You know what beyond measure means? That if I measured four cups of beans, yeah? What God is giving me, if beans was grace, what God is giving me is way beyond four. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a brother in the spirit. Ah, glory. Hallelujah. Right? He said, it flowed out super abundantly. Super abundantly. And then, as if we don't know what super abundantly means, he says, look at the next word. And beyond measure, for me, accompanied by what? Faith and love that are to be realized in who? Remember, let's go back to our beginning. We said the anchor words for Christ Jesus are the logic of God, aka the logos, right? The light of God. The word of God. So yes, we're looking for the light and wisdom of God. We dive into scripture. But when we dive into scripture, we're not diving into scripture because we need a defense. Apologetics is great. I love apologetics. First Peter says we must have a ready answer for those who are naysayers more or less. It's important when somebody asks you, uh-uh, is God your God? Are you not worshipping three gods? And you have to explain. No, 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 no. Don't be deceived. Scripture shows us that the father exists as God. The Son exists as God, the Holy Spirit exists as God, right? That's great. But you see, it's not just debate, 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 debate. It's for us to find faith and love to be realized in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's switch back to NKJV, guys. So, while we're switching there, here's something you must take away. The Bible is great for textual counsel, right? For admonitions and for instructions, you know. It is what guides us. That's great. Yet, it is not the end. It's a means to an end. Hallelujah. Oh, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. If you are reading the Bible, ensure that you are reading the Bible to see Jesus Christ. They came to Jesus and said, Baba, we found this babe doing things that she's not supposed to do. Right? And then they now said, the law says, and you know what his response was? Fine. Cool, 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 cool. I know what the law says. But any of you, Baba, that is without sin. Be, def- be my guest, take a stone. And guess what the Bible says? That each and every one of them dropped their stones and walked away. And he didn't stop there because we have often said or assumed that us giving love is divorced from truth. Remember that it is grace and truth. The only way to go to the Father is through whom? Jesus Christ. And Jesus now says, look, where are your accusers? Have they left? And then he says, okay, go and do what? Because there's only one person that can forgive. Our job is to present the opportunity of grace and truth. But we are doing our best. And I love that prayer, Pastor Inka was praying. He said, look, when we say that kings come to us and Gentiles, yeah, to the brightness of our rising, it's not so that we can show them that we can juggle three balls with our hands. Or that we are great at writing. Or that we are great at drawing. Or that we are great at singing. It's that we are doing all of this to point them in one direction. Not the band in the name of Jesus. Right? We're pointing them to Jesus. We're pointing them to the light. So us, smaller lights, small L, we're pointing to the big L, the light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus being the light is the end game. I just said that, grace and truth, right? What then should be our position as the Christian? We need to shine the light, but who is the light? Where can we find him? Answer, John 1.18. This will blow you people a little bit, right? John 1 18. we We're pointing to the light, like I said, right? But where is this light? Who is this light? What is this light? John 1 18 says, nobody has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. You know what is crazy about this? Do we agree with this scripture? Hmm? We all agree with it, Abby. Show of hands. Nobody has seen. You, all are, you say you don't have a choice. Okay, so who did Abraham see? Who did Moses see? Who did Jacob wrestle with? If you go and read the angel, he's God, right? Who is the person that said, Sarah, I told you you're going to have a child and you're laughing? He's God, right? But here's the great thing about it. If you remember earlier on, I talked about how because, you know, there wasn't the revelation of Jesus Christ. Every single one of these people, and because in theology, they call it theophanies, right? Incidents of Jesus or the of God showing up in scripture, Right? Some say theophanies, some say Christophanies, right? Um, I think even Joshua at a point he said he saw a mighty man of, val, of battle and some theologians say that was Jesus Christ, blah, 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 great, hallelujah, fantastic. John was saying, you have had an idea of what God is like, yeah? But I promise you, my guy, you've not gotten the full revelation of who G- of God is if you've not seen Jesus. Remember, we said Jesus is everything that God has to say. If God wants to tell you anything, he's not saying it through the Bible. He's saying it through what? Jesus Christ. Notice that the Holy Spirit bears witness of who? Jesus Christ. So when you're reading scripture, if you find that your revelation is to go and marry four wives, brethren, some, I well, let me not even tell you what to do. Just ask yourself, is that what Jesus would do? Yeah? That's the question, right? Same thing too. All of those that go around saying that God has called us to be violent, right? Like I remember, I remember when people saying we must take over the military. God is not interested in the systems of the world in the way you think. That's the truth. All right? So don't lie to yourself. Jesus had all the opportunity to tell Pilate to bow down before him. But what does he do? He submits to the cross. Amen. Selah. All right. So, we can't see that these folks were delusional, of course. But what John is saying is until we see Jesus, we do not know what God is like. Remember we said in verse 14, the Word became flesh and he has made him known. Right? Okay. Now, when we confess that Jesus is God, we do not mean we know what God is like based on his attributes. Remember what I talked about? God is omnidis, omnidat. He's the provider. Mm-mm. What we're saying is that Jesus and God, they are the same person. So when we look at Jesus, do you know who we're saying? God, period. The logic of God, the wisdom of God is expressed in one person, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the exact representation of God. And we say the divine light shines in the theological darkness of mistaken ideas about God. That light that corrects these mistaken ideas is Jesus. If you remember what I talked about, it wasn't in the Garden of Eden, the issue wasn't knowledge of good and evil, it was the knowledge of good and evil apart from God. I see the thing about having knowledge apart from God is you find yourself, one day you wake up and say, I want to be, I mean, one of our favorite examples in this church is the guy who said he was Elijah to come. As the Yerubahs will say, from where to where, as in what did the Bible, what did the scripture through, what did he catch, right? If he actually sat down with the word of God, there is no confirmation of such expressions of thought in Jesus Christ. Yes or no? And I'm saying this to all of us because we need to work on those things in ourselves, even me. Before we can actually step out and represent Jesus as light properly to the, in quotes, Gentiles. And we say Gentiles only as a loose term to the world. Hallelujah. Knowing Jesus and God are the same is your starting point. Where's our ending point? John 8 verse 12. We're about to round up now. So like I said, nobody has seen God unless they've seen Jesus, Right? But when we say, okay, fine, we agree that Jesus and God are the same, what do we mean? John 8 and verse 12, yeah? He says, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, now me be the light of the world. In case, and you see one of the things that makes me laugh, notice how it's the same new King James. Do you see the light being big L or small L? Small L. Remember? let's go back the light of god is his logic his understanding right and because he's talking about himself now he says it is me who is the light of the world then he says this really really really, if we can catch his revelation every day of our lives we're good he says something really important he says he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but will have the light of life are we so here's the thing i see if scripture contradicts itself but it doesn't let's be honest how bright is this world we live in? <laughs> to me, if I, I don't know. Where is dark? That's the honest truth. It's around this time last year we saw reports of individuals <laughs> hoarding Indomie. I don't know how to. There's a level of business in your mind that gets you to that point. That's darkness, right? So we live in a dark world. But you see, the cool thing is, he says, if you follow me, who is the light you shall not dwell in darkness but you will have the light of life so it's our job to overpower you know that thing that scripture says in john one at the beginning of john one the light shines darkness cannot what the logic is not it's not and that's our job because we have the light we do not walk in darkness by being in, so our not walking darkness we're not in darkness we don't dwell in darkness what we do However, we may, and I think this is one of the easiest ways to describe it, we're in the world, not of the world. We may be within the darkness, but we're not of the darkness because we have the light of life. That the Bible says, in him was, do you remember? In him was life, and that light, life was the light of men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, our truth is where we live when we overpower darkness. So if you find yourself thinking any of these thoughts, like I said earlier, ask yourself, "Would Jesus think this? And just, every day, just begin by, am I walking in light here? The path to overcoming darkness is not a huge, you don't need a huge schematic drawing. It's a simple thing. We recognize who the light is. We recognize that the light and the glory of God is his beauty, his logic, his understanding, his wisdom. And if we imbue our minds with that, all of these things are Jesus Christ. Every day, superimpose Jesus upon your mind. We renew our minds so that we, become, we can become like Jesus. We're trekking to the knowledge, the full knowledge of who? Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. His selection makes us selected. But before we think about that, ask yourself, am I saying this because it's a great title to have? I, Peter, the Anointed One. Or is that I, Peter, who has aligned with Christ Jesus? Amen. Amen. Switch on your light, my people. Switch on your light. That's all I'm saying this evening. Come rise up on our feet.